Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This time looking at Mid-South Wrestling Television from October 2nd, 1982, which was taped on September 29th, 1982, at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last. It's my pleasure to be with you once again. And joining me for this journey, you know him, you love him, from booking the territory, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm ready for another episode of Mid-South Wrestling. We got Cowboy Hat Guy Hank. He's still here to the far right. Uh, we got Bill Watts on commentary, and that's a beautiful thing. And boy, oh boy, we have a memorable match from my childhood, which is Kamala versus Tim Horner. I think I'll save the rest of what I've got from there. And then we got some JYD from Houston. So this is going to be a fun little episode. I didn't know this was a memorable match from your childhood. So we'll save that for when we get to Kamala versus Tim Horner. I want to hear. I'll explain that. I'll, I'll actually explain. Uh, that's actually a little bit of tongue in cheek as I say that. So I'll explain more on that later when we get to it, though. We'll see what you have to say. I don't know how familiar Kamala is with fax machines and stolen ring trucks, but we will find out later on in this show. But you mentioned Bill Watts is back here this week with Boy Pierce. Let's go to the show opening and find out what we have in store for us this week. Another tremendous card, and we want you to stay with us all the way. I'm Boyd Pierce, your host. And remember, we're going to have a special challenge match. It'll be Colonel Buck Robley in the ring against General Skandar Akbar. And Killer Khan and the one-man gang are barred from the ring during this match. Also, Mississippi Heavyweight Champion Mr. Olympia is here. Mr. Rasting too. The North American Heavyweight Champion Ted DiBiase. And also, a man that you want to look for. We're looking forward to it. That'll establish himself upon the minds of any of us in Professor Rasting, Kamala, the Ugandan Giant. And now our guest commentator, one of the most knowledgeable men in professional wrestling, Cowboy Bill Watts. Bill? Well, thank you, Boyd Pearson. Of course, Kamala, the Ugandan giant, I was asking Reeser Bowden if he'd guesstimated his size and weight because the guy wasn't speaking any English that we know of, and uh, he came in here with a second that is completely, uh, his identity is not disclosed, and, and Reeser said the guy looks like he's in excess of six foot seven. And over 385 pounds, and I think it Reeser can guesstimate pretty close because he's been looking at these heights and weights for a long time. But Boyd Pierce, another great thing, the junkyard dog, the man that everywhere he goes, he is the biggest attraction they've ever had because of his great heart and courage. Houston, Texas, the 24th of September. You were there. You were the guest announcer. Let's join that match as you announced it, the junkyard dog versus Nick Bockwinkle, the city auditorium in Houston. And from there, Mike, we get the aforementioned match, Nick Bockwinkle versus the Junkyard Dog in Houston, Texas from September 24th, 1983. Boyd Pierce, the ring announcer, and of course he had been the ring announcer there in the past, specifically when he was working with the Dallas booking office, and Dallas was supplying talent to Houston, Texas. And one of the things is we get a voiceover commentary from Cowboy Bill Watts, who puts over. Paul Bosch and Peter Burkholz, the Houston office, which, as we talked about last time, or if it wasn't last time, it was the week before, Watts is now a partner in the Houston office, and they're using Mid-South Wrestling talent almost exclusively, although Paul Bosch kind of was always bringing in guys that were regulars in Houston, that he had established as stars there, doing his own things, but by and large, he's using Mid-South Wrestling talent, and Mid-South is now airing alongside the promos and matches from Houston on Channel 39 in Houston, and uh, another note here is we get to see referee Jack Howe for the first time in a while. Here, he's the referee for this match. Did you have any thoughts or notes about this match, Mike? Uh, no, nothing in particular. I mean, it's a little weird, you know, listening to a voiceover commentary because it, you can you can tell it's just he's 
he's in a studio somewhere commenting on a you know videotape he's watching. So that's it's a little strange, and you don't get the full feel of it. But I mean. It, it, when you just watch it, like you see just how much of a star the dog was. I mean, the fans are pushed up against the ring. They're dying to get an autograph, to touch him, to to just, you know, like this guy is like royalty. And it just, you know, you just you can see it, man. And it's it's a little reminiscent of kind of the shots from the Sportatorium where all the fans would be pushed up against ringside trying to get autographs from the Von Erics and the baby faces. But it's, um, you know, you could just see, man, we say it all the time, how big of a star he was. Uh, right here and man, he's just uh he's out there doing his thing and man he makes uh i don't want to say he makes too quick a work on nick bockwinkle but he actually kind of does so good stuff here from houston and nice that they shared it it makes sense i mean i would think i don't know how much we talked about this on air but you know houston's not far from new orleans at all so like you've got you've probably got overlap in tv in some of these areas where, you know, they would see the Houston wrestling in Mid-South. So uh, it would make sense that there would be some type of um, like ownership in Watts's part and like, you know, sharing a talent and uh, communication between, you know, both both promotions and whatnot, just because of the the proximity of it all. I mean, it's literally it's a very short drive from Houston to New Orleans. I say very short, about five hours or so. For Mid-South wrestling, that's pretty short. The yeah, yeah well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, because, you know, yeah, some of those drives were so long. And you think about the towns in like the western part of the state of, of Louisiana. I, I know a lot of those towns are I'm sure they're they're especially if you got nice rabbit ears back then. They're picking up TV from Houston. So and vice versa. You know, you got towns in the eastern portion of of Texas along the along the border and they're, they're picking up the TVs from Louisiana. It, so, I mean, it, it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's like you said, here's the thing. From New Orleans to Shreveport, nowadays is about five hours, I mean, a little bit less, maybe four and a half or so with the interstate system. It was longer than that uh, before you had I-49. But, I mean, Houston, it's just as just as long of a drive, or if not shorter, uh, to get from, from Houston to New Orleans because I believe, you know, I-10 was around back then. So, yeah, it's just, it's, it just makes – the partnership, I say all that to say all around, it just makes a lot of sense. The Junkyard Dog pins Nick Bockwinkle with his thump. And from there, we get a challenge match that's been building up on Mid-South Wrestling. General Skandor Akbar versus Buck Robley, Colonel Buck Robley, or Buckley Christopher George Robley III, depending on whatever we want to call him this week, with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Rick Ferreira and Jerry Usher go back and forth. On this taping, there is no Alfred Neely. He returns the next television taping. I guess it was his turn to take a vacation. It was Reeser Bowden last taping, and now it's Alfred Neely gone this taping. But... Uh, a few notes here, Mike. Rick Ferreira has a new referee shirt. He's finally wearing one that makes him look like a referee. That's nice to see. The one-man gang and Killer Con are banned from ringside, and you mentioned it before, Hank is there, although once again, he's not in his usual spot. He's off to the side where he sat at the previous taping, and all the other regulars seem to be there, all the old ladies in the front row, some of them wearing the same outfits you're used to seeing them wear. The kid in the yellow shirt wearing the same outfit you're used to seeing him wear. There's more people in yellow shirts during this taping than any other taping I've ever seen. And in fact, at one point, Buck Roby stands kind of in between one group of yellow shirts and another one, inadvertently, just while he's in the ring. They're sitting there. But the kid in the yellow shirt sitting next to another guy in a yellow shirt, and there's a guy above him in a yellow shirt. And then on the left of them, there's a big fat guy in a yellow shirt, and then there's another guy in a yellow shirt. And then Buck positioned himself during the match right in between them. It was just a sea of yellow at that point. 
Yeah, the kid in the yellow shirt. I think the guy next to him or kid next to him also has the same Pittsburgh Steelers shirt on. I might be wrong, but I didn't really get a good glimpse oh, no. of it. And I think he's wearing the Buck Robley shirt, actually. Oh, okay. Okay. All I right. Think. I'm wrong. Okay. Uh, I was trying to look. Like I know we're spending a ton of time on these um <laughs> on this kid that Brian hates in the front row. It is a buckler rover shirt. I got it on right now. I'm looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> How many yellow shirts are there? For real? Am I am I exaggerating? They just panned away, but I mean, there's like a cluster where that kid is, and there's a guy right above him with a yellow shirt on, and I can't tell if it's a if it's a Robley shirt. They're probably Robley shirts, and we just can't see because it's not really really clear. You know, it's, this is not HD, but many of them are probably Robley shirts, and we just we just can't make them out. But there's a ton of people with yellow shirts on. Yes. By and large, the kid in the yellow shirt behaves himself during his taping. He takes some photos with his little camera that you'll see here. But we do have some audio we want to get to. Let's go to Bill Watts' opening thoughts about this match. Well, of course, this is a battle of survival between Buck Robley and General Akbar. And Akbar's man, the one-man gang, was against Buck here last week in a lumberjack-style match where Buck won the match. He, wa- he got the right for this match with Skander Akbar. And Buck beat the one-man gang here probably... A lot of knowledgeable people thought that was a great upset, but I've learned that over the years you can never count Buck Robley down until he's out because he's a competitor. And now he's got the general in there, and this is something he's really wanted. It's just almost like who's going to dominate Mid-South between these two men. There you hear Bill Watts talking a little bit about the backstory, what has led up to this match, and of course last time the one-man gang and Buck Robley on the previous week's show. Uh, Mike, you have any thoughts before we get to the closing moments of this match? Um, I know this isn't a popular opinion because these two are stars of Mid-South. I mean, Akbar was, and now I look at him as a favorite manager of mine. Uh, obviously, I hated him back in the day, but I just didn't have a lot of emotional investment in this, watching it back, and it doesn't stick out. You know, the, the good thing about, like, doing this show I've got memories from childhood about the things I loved. And I was like, oh, my God, that was the greatest thing ever. And then I, I've got things that I don't really remember. And this is one of them. And as I watch it back as an adult, it's funny how I go, eh, I guess I see why I didn't really remember it. I mean, I hated Akbar the heel, but I guess I was of that generation where I was just too young to remember Robley from years prior. And Buck Robley just didn't do it for me. And it, uh, that this little mini feud, if you want to call it that, Although it's had some nice, funny moments and good moments from Akbar, it just didn't work for me. I mean, I've laughed at Cowboy Bill Watts making fun of Robley's, um, you know, betting habits at the track, along with Akbar doing the same thing. But uh, overall, as a feud, I just kind of like, eh, well, it is what it is. You know, that's all I want to add. It's a good upper mid card feud for Mid South at this time. But also, I got to say, I kind of went the opposite route. I never was a big Buck Robley fan, and watching this, reviewing this week by week, I've become a bigger and bigger fan of his as we've gone on. And I do like the whole, he has a gambling addiction angle to it. It's very revolutionary, if you really think about it. But Buck yeah, that, Robley has a gambling problem. Funny. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that now, that's why I said that. That part, that part really gives you a chuckle, but it's just the... I don't know, man. Like I said, in my mind, I I, I never was a Robley fan. He was bigger and more popular prior to me becoming a fan of Mid-South and it just he never worked for me now now as a kid I'm sure when I watch this because again I just I just don't remember these two doing battle like this as a kid I, I'm thinking probably I'm like oh yeah get him Robley because I hated Akbar Akbar was a you know he was a son of a 
son of a female dog. I don't know if I could say that word here since we're a clean show, but you know what I mean. I hated him. I mean, he was he was the worst. He threw fireballs and he, and he hurt the dog. But uh, Robley just wasn't my, I just wasn't invested. So, but um, the track portion is hilarious because you think about that now in 2019 eyes, and you're just like, holy crap, somebody was taking a shot, and we never realized it when we watch it when we're younger. I actually just recently watched the Sam Mushnick retirement ceremony from January 1982, and I did get a kick out of it, and I thought of Buck Robley when they're like, and now here's the guy that he has spent so much money at the racetrack with, and they bring out the guy from the racetrack. And Sam smiles. I guess he really does like going to play the ponies. <laughs> so uh, I guess there maybe was several wrestlers who were interested in the races at that time. But let's play a little more audio, Mike. Let's go to the finish of this match, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. Form smashes. Buck Robley firing back. And Buck really taking it to Skandar Akbar. He's got the sleeper. Buck's got the sleeper on Akbar. The people applauding. They know that Buck Robley's got the sleeper on Skandar Akbar. Somebody just ran by. Went by the table, Bill. The man's in a sheepskin jacket. He's attacking Buck Robley from behind. Apparently, Skandar Akbar again has used those Ben Franklins to hire another assassin. And that one is the Mongolian Stomper. The man managed by Carson. And he has attacked Colonel Buck Robley from behind. Double chop. And he picks Robley up. And there's that hole to his, the Shadow and the Maki, which is his form of sleeper, just as the one Buck has by this powerful man, this unscrupulous, heartless individual, the Mongolian Stomper. There Jesse Barr comes to his rescue. Stop. Oh, Stomper knocked Jesse Barr off. Vinny Romeo, Mike Bond, look at this man decimate these troops that have come to try to help Colonel Robley. And Skandar Akbar has apparently reached out into those purse strings and found another vicious, unscrupulous animal to do his bidding. And Bill, we'll be back with more action after we pause for this word from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. Well, there you hear at the finish of the match, the Mongolian Stomper, who we've heard about the last several weeks on the show. They played clips of him in Georgia with Don Carson as his manager, runs in on behalf of General Skandar Akbar and puts Buck Robley in the Shinamanaki, or the Shinamanaki. I always say it wrong, and I apologize for anyone who's going to be offended by that here today. And it looks pretty cool because he has him like draped over the ropes, almost like he's hanging him with his version of the sleeper. And then the Stomper destroys Jesse Barr and Vinnie Romeo and Mike Bond. And there it is, the debut of the Mongolian Stomper. What are your thoughts, Mike? Yeah, I'm glad you said the name of the finisher because I cannot say it. And I'm not even going to try to say it because I butcher it every time I try to say it. And if I type it, it's even worse. But no, I, I mean, the funny part here is, man, Stomper comes in and, and you know, I think he's like 45, almost 46 at this point. And man, he looks great. Like he's... You know, he after they run everybody off and he and Akbar in the ring, he kind of hits like I, mean, I don't want to say he flexes like he hits a, a most muscular pose or anything, but he kind of strains and everything. And, man, he's he's got veins popping out of those arms a little bit. And he just looks fabulous for his age right here. I mean, you think about it. I'm like, man, he's older right there than I am right now. And I'm like, whoa, 
He just he just looks like he, he's in great shape. I think he's been in the business by this point a good 20 years or so. But, no, I don't have anything else other than I mean, he comes in and he looks like he means business. So, And he runs Robley off and everyone off and just a nice little twist there at the end. It's funny because you think about it. They say Khan and uh, one-man gang, you know, banned from the area or arena. And yet here we go. We got we got more shenanigans with the uh, with Stomper coming down. Buck Robley gets the victory via disqualification. And from there, we get the Mid-South Wrestling television debut of Kamala. And of course, we've seen promo videos building up his appearance here this week. But we get Kamala versus Tim Horner with Jerry Usher as the referee. So before we play any audio from this, Mike, you said you have a story. You said this match had a big impact on you. What's the story? Well, okay, so I, I obviously remember Kamala, you know, coming into Mid-South and, and just tearing apart jobber slash enhancement talent when he came into territory when I was a kid. But I don't remember a specific match with Tim Horner. You know, I mean, it, it's enhancement talents. A lot of times, you know, you're young, you're, you're not really paying attention. You just know it's the, it's the guy who's about to get mauled and murdered by the, by the star. And in this case, the cannibal, which is Kamala. So... Um, I mean, obviously, remember, you know, Kamala just running through the territory at first and just murdering these these people that they would throw him in there with. Well, I don't know, two years ago or so, um, as we were getting into our Smoky Mountain podcast that we do, I um, went back and started revisiting some of Mid-South. And as I revisited, I got to where we are now and I was watching this particular episode and this is after me experiencing much more of Tim Horner as the butchering of promos that Tim Horner would, uh, you know, ensue in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, uh, where he just couldn't cut a promo to save his life. Uh, I, I revisited this and I'm like, holy crap, Kamala is my new favorite person. He just murdered Tim Horner in this match. But what's funny about this match is I have watched this particular match since about two years ago because again i said i don't really remember it as a kid i remember kamala hurting people and killing people but not specifically this one i've watched this particular match probably a hundred times now and for the life of me i will never understand why tim horner acted like he wanted a piece of kamala when you watch friday take off kamala's gear right here horner if you see the camera shot he's like pacing back and forth almost saying in his mind, come on, hurry up. Let me get at him. Watch out. Come on. I'm about to get at him. I'm about to get a piece of this. And some people might call that brave. I'm calling it suicide. So maybe Tim Horner's brain was scrambled and I'm saying this in fun people. Maybe his brain was scrambled well before his Smoky Mountain promos because he's trying to get at the cannibal when most people would have been running at this point. I'm just saying. That's all I'm saying, Brian. So, well, just it's effective, uh, too. If he's debuting and he's this big monster from Uganda, he's a headhunter, a Ugandan giant. The guy he's facing should look worried. He should be like, oh, my God, like I don't know what I'm in store for here. Like That is the appropriate look because you want to build this up. It's his debut appearance, not. All right, let's go. I got it. I got this. Like that's bullshit. Well, what the re- I mean, I'm serious. If you go back and watch the right before they ring the bell, like, you know, 15 seconds or so before, the ref is holding Horner back. He's holding him back. I'm like, dude, you're you're just on a suicide mission. What the hell, man? <laughs> you the ref should not be holding you back. You should be in there like, "Oh my god." This guy's about to kill me. Why did I sign up for this? I get being brave, but there's a certain mechanism in your brain at times that self-preservation kicks in. And it's like, 
man, I know I'm going to sit here and fight, but you got that worried look on your face like this guy might maul me. Let me might, let me keep my nerves. And when he comes at me, I need to try to do something that maybe I can try to combat it. But, oh, my God, this is going to be rough. He doesn't look like that. He looks like, let me at the cannibal. Let me get him. Let me get him. Hold me back. Hold me back. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. And I'm thinking to myself, bro, are you really that dumb? This man is about to murder you. Anyway, that, the that was yes. The- he is really that <laughs> dumb. The answer is yes. But, you know, the other thing, you brought up Friday. Friday is actually not named here. And, of course, later on in the World Wrestling Federation, he would be Kim Chi and usually played by Steve Lombardi. But here he is unnamed, but it is someone who would become Friday. He's wearing a grappler mask with a camouflage outfit and a camouflage hat. But the best part is he has a cigar sticking out of his mouth. That I got a kick out of. Yes. I got a kick out of that, and I got a kick out of the the big spear that they left in the ring as um, Kamala goes to attack Horner, and the referee has to hand the spear to Friday. Uh, the, the the grappler mask and the cigar is 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 something to take note of because I'm pretty sure we don't see a cigar coming from Friday any other time. Well, I mean, maybe we will see in some subsequent episodes, but I can remember world class. I don't remember Friday with a cigar in his mouth. You want to get him over what he should have done while the referee was holding Horner back? Pick up that spear and just throw it right across the ring and spear Tim Horner. It would have instantly gotten him over as the biggest star in the territory. How is the junkyard dog going to beat this guy? He threw a spear through that Tim Horner geek. And then you could do a whole thing where maybe, you know, maybe Jerry Usher was involved. Maybe Jerry Usher, you know, was helping out by holding him back. You you could do so many things. All he had to do was throw that spear right through Tim Horner. See, and here's the thing. As (laughs) as we're making fun of Tim. Anyone is going to get upset. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Here's the thing, man. And and like, I get it. I've I've gotten backlash from talking about Horner on the Smoky Mountain show. And it's not personal. I say this all the time. It's not personal. I, I, I'm, I, we're having fun. It's a podcast. We love classic wrestling. I'm having fun. Now, when Cornette talks about Horner, that's personal. That's, that's his gimmick. I mean, not his gimmick, but, you know, that's his thing. You know, that, he's got he's got some records that indicate why it's personal. Yeah, he was, me, ripped, he was ripped off by Tim Horner. Then Tim Horner went around and lied about it and pretended he was one of the owners of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. That's why it was personal and business. As a matter of fact. Right, right, right. So for me, I just I mean, I'm just having fun. But like the thing is, when I going back to what I said about Horner, like having the refs holding him back and he's like, like, come on, let me at him. Let me at him. That's a response that I would expect from like, you know, a, a JYD, a Mr. Olympia, like before the match starts. Not Tim Horner. Come on, dude. Why are you doing that? Maybe Watts told him to do that. And I'm just thinking, I don't know, maybe I don't think Watts would have told him that. But who knows? But anyway, Horner gets murdered here and appropriately. Let's hear some audio. Bill Watts speaking about Kamala, the Ugandan giant. The introduction, Tim Horner in the green tights, held back by referee Jerry Usher. And the far side, we see Kamala, the Ugandan giant. Bill? Boy, I don't know. I'm sitting here flabbergasted just like you are. We'd seen the advance promotional on this man and we still don't know who controls him because as you can see his Valerie is second there is completely masked he's in camouflage gear as I said before Reeser Biden had guessed him looks like about six foot eight and 385 pounds he's from Uganda we're told that he's not a skilled technician as far as wrestling goes that he's just a mean tough rugged individual that use that size and that strength and and he'll fight. And of course, at least they have restricted that spear to a ceremonial 
Spear without a steel head on it. There's no telling what he'd do with that. Tim Horner, I'm sure, is looking on, is very curious, too, that he's the first to face the man here on Mid-South Wrestling on television. By the way, that last match with Buck Robley was a disqualification of Akbar. I'm sure that doesn't bother Akbar. Big, huge man. Got the earrings apparently in his ears and his nose. And Usher calls for the bell, and here comes this big, huge man. Oh, all that power. And he's really hit the corner. Boy, I don't know what to anticipate here. I don't know what his favorite moves are. You and I will just have to watch, but he's certainly got the power. Look at him. He's just treating Tim Horner, who weighs some 218, 220 pounds, like a rag doll. And as he, it looks like when he pats his belly there, it could almost remind you of thinking about in Africa when a cannibal was getting ready to devour a missionary or something, because this man is undoubtedly a savage individual. Oh, he's... He really, look at him, he's just wiping out Tim Horner. He made short work of that young man. Wiped out he did. We saw the debut of the awesome Kamala, the Ugandan giant with a victory. We'll be right back when Mid-South Wrestling returns after this message. I have to say, I kind of dig Kamala's music. It sounds like some late-era Harry Belafonte, but... There it is, Kamala, pinning Tim Horner with a splash. Any remaining thoughts about this match, Mike? Yeah, just, no, I I, I dig the music too, but uh, I will say this. We joked about Kamala. I mean, obviously Tim Horner when we were kicking this thing off with this match, but uh, Tim bumped around and flew around for Kamala like no tomorrow. Even those chops, which those chops are not. I mean, they're not really stiff chops, but when Kamala hit him, Tim took really nice bumps and they did the choke hole spot where, you know, Kamala lifts him above his shoulders and, and Tim goes flying backwards. So as much as I joked about Tim early on with him trying to act brave and he's about to get murdered, uh, he, he, he looked good in the match. I mean, he bumped around as well as could be expected uh, for Kamala right there and really made Kamala look great with, uh, with, with the way he moved around in the ring. So good stuff uh, as far as the match goes, though. So there you go. See, I'm not always hard on Tim. I agree with you. He really did a good match once the match started of showing the strengths of Kamala. Early Kamala here maybe talks a little too much to Friday. You know, there's a little communication going on. You know, later on, you don't really see Kamala moving his lips in a fashion that indicates that he's using words, but you kind of do here, and it takes Friday a pretty good while to get the earrings off and everything else. But once again, the debut of Kamala with a victory over Tim Horner. And from there, we get our next match, the Grapplers. Grappler 1 and 2 versus Jesse Barr and Vinny Romeo with Rick Ferreira as the referee. We'll talk about this on the other side, but we get a little bit of audio here during this match. Bill Watts catching us up on everything that's happening with the upcoming Superdome show, as well as some of the wrestlers like the Stomper and Kamala that are coming into the territory. Well, this will definitely be a fast-paced match. There's some guys in there that can really move. And you know, Boyd Pierce, a lot of things have been happening the last few weeks. It seems like every time that Superdome rolls close, and Thanksgiving night is the day of the next Superdome in November the 25th in New Orleans. 
it seems like a lot of things start happening. And you know, when Buck had Akbar up against the wall, and I saw this Kamala, this Ugandan giant come in, and we don't know who controls him, who signs these matches, or, or who handles his money yet. I started thinking maybe that Akbar had something to do with it, and he was there to get Buck since the one-man gang, Killer Khan, was barred. But then the stomper, and I was only familiar with his hole because I've seen him in Houston. As you know, Mid-South and the best of Texas wrestling in Houston combined there to give that great city some of the greatest cards ever in that whole part of the country. And I've seen the stomper in battles with Dick Slater and with Tony Atlas. Apparently, Skandar Akbar bought his contract or paid money to Don Carson, his manager, and had him here to get to Buck Robley. So you can never count General Akbar out either, and he'll go to any extreme. And here we have Vinnie Romeo and Jesse Barr against the Grapplers, but I'm still a little bit in shock at the way the huge monster of a man, Kamala, destroyed Tim Horner. Don't know who he's after, but it's certainly... Sooner or later, they all go after the junkyard dog because he's the man wherever he goes. And he's the one they want to try to whip because they know if they're in there and can beat him, they're going to make the money. Of course, Mr. Wrestling 2, Captain Redneck Dick Murdoch and Colonel Buck Robley, and Mr. Olympia and Iron Mike Sharp are the others in the Mid-South area that make it tick. These are the contests that matchmaker Grizzly Smith has to decide when they go to the individual arenas. Well, there we hear a little bit of audio during this match. Obviously not paying too much attention to the actual match, but it is what it is. It's the Grapplers versus Jesse Barr and Vinny Romeo. I have to say, Vinny Romeo is somewhat improved from when we first saw him. It seems like he is getting a little better in the ring, more comfortable in the ring. But I didn't have too many other notes from this match other than the Grapplers win when the Grappler or Grappler 1 hits the Grappler twist on Vinny Romeo. Did you have any notes, Mike? No, I, it's pretty much the same thing, but I, I will, I kind of want to repeat what you just said. You got this, you got the grapplers in here versus uh, Vinny Romeo or Jesse Barr. So, I mean, there's, there's not much to really talk about, but this is another prime example about why when we say Watts isn't on commentary, why there's such a struggle when you have certain guys on commentary. Um, that's, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Um but yeah, this is this is just Watts kind of filling up time, and he's going back to that narrator role that I've kind of talked about in storyteller role, where you don't have a five star match, you don't have a big match here. You got the grapplers versus two guys that, you know, are just mid card, under card. You know, they they serve a purpose. They serve a great purpose actually in putting guys over that need to be put over. And and um, but you got Watts kind of just narrating the the whole thing and kind of telling us what's going on with the territory, different shows, all that good stuff. So it, this is more of a, 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 a plug to say why a lot of times Watts is important on commentary when, when he's there. So, and I can see why sometimes he'd want to take a break because if he's doing that same thing every single week, every single minute, it, it that would also be uh, troublesome because then you're constantly needing to, needing to narrate. And it probably is good that he steps away here and there, but for us as viewers, we hate when we see certain people step into that table and booth. Well, you're doing a lot to build up next week's show. I have a feeling we're going to get an epic Mike Mills rant, but uh, without spoiling anything, once again, the Grapplers win with the Grappler twist on Vinny Romeo. And from there, we get our next match. It is Mr. Olympia, the Mississippi State Champion, versus Hangman Rick Harris returning this week with Jerry Usher as the referee. We have a little bit of audio here to play from the match. Just Bill Watts explaining the recent title changes for the Mississippi State Championship. Let's listen to this audio right now. 
a very controversial situation around that Mississippi title with Killer Khan winning it in Shreveport in a special sanctioned match in the state of Louisiana. Then Mr. Olympia getting the rematch in Jackson, Mississippi on the 22nd in Akbar. Again interfering and again trying to cause a disqualification. But this time the disqualification didn't stand. The commission in Mississippi declared Mr. Olympia the Mississippi champion. Well, there you hear it, rather brief, but Mr. Olympia once again the Mississippi state champion. What exactly did he say there, that he won it via disqualification and the commission just gave him the belt? Uh, that's how I would have read it, but it, or, or heard it, but it also confused me the way that was stated. Cause you're not supposed to win a belt on a DQ, but I, maybe it was, um, I don't know. Maybe Watts just, you know, played Booker man right there and was like, well, no, nah, this is what we're going to say. And we're going to go with it. And no one's going to question it because we don't have social media outrage in, two, in 1982 either. Mr. Olympia, who is in fantastic shape here, defeats the hangman with a sleeper. And from there, we get some audio from Houston, Texas. This relationship now is in full bloom. We get Peter Burkholz, the nephew of Paul Bosch, a partner in the Houston wrestling office and a longtime commentator on Houston wrestling television, interviewing Tony Atlas. Before we get there, we get a little bit of the buildup from Bill Watts. Let's go to this audio right now. Well, Boyd Pierce, thanks to Channel 39 in Houston, Texas, we're going to hear from one of the most powerful young men in wrestling today, Mr. USA, Tony Atlas, a man who can bench press 600 pounds, can do five repetitions with 500 pounds on the bench press. It's our pleasure now. Let's listen to Peter Burkholz talk to Tony Atlas. You wrestling fans of Mid-South Wrestling, Tony Atlas, Mr. USA, is returning to your area, one of the greatest wrestlers in the sport today, one of the most exciting wrestlers just to watch in action. With all there, I got to say, my main man, Junkyard Dog, he told me, he said, look, Tony, things are getting a little bit out of hand here in the Mid-South. We want you to come down here, Tony, and do your thing like you know how to do it. So in the Mid-South, one Tony Atlas is coming, and he ain't coming to play around. He ain't coming to suck a jab. He's coming for business, brother, to take care of business. TCB, to get down and to get funky like I never got funky before. In the Mid-South, I hear they got some of the greatest professional wrestlers in the world today. And the reason that I'm coming down there is one reason only. It's to show them who is one of the men who will stand up to them and fight them tooth and nail. Junkyard dogs and Tony, I can't do it by myself. I need my good friend to come down here and help me whoop off some of these sorry, good-for-nothing bad guys in the Mid-South. So all you boys in the Mid-South, get ready for yourself because I got trouble here and I got trouble there and I got trouble coming your way to the Mid-South. We gonna boogie, baby. We gonna get down. Everybody come out and get on down in the Mid-South. Now you heard from Tony. Let's join him in action against one of the great superstars from Mexico, one of the toughest men ever out of Mexico, Grand Marcus, in the final moments of a match that had gone some 30 minutes. Let's join that last bit of action in Houston, Texas. And from there, we do get the aforementioned clip of Tony Atlas versus El Grand Marcus with Danny Putchis as the referee in Houston, Texas, a match in which Tony wins via splash. And, of course, El Grand Marcus a major star for Paul Bosch, had more heat than most heels had ever had there. But let's go back to this promo, Mike. 
Really strong stuff from Atlas here. He probably doesn't get enough credit for being a good fired up promo, especially in the early 80s, but he looks like a superstar. He's fired up on the promo. I actually think he's good in the ring, uh, you know, this period of time. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I thought that was a really good promo. A couple of lines that stood out, uh, well, the first line was, He's. I'm here for business and not shucking and jiving. I really liked when he said that. And he said something that I hate to go back to Tim Horner, but he said uh, I'm something like uh, I'm here for TCB, which, you know, take care of business. I swear Tim Horner uses that same line in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It does not have nowhere near the same effect. So I thought Atlas here was really fired up. He's. He's I mean, he looks like a million dollars. I mean, if you when you look at him, we talked about the dog and what kind of shape he was in, you know, in the last few months. But man, Atlas, <laughs> Atlas, I don't want to say he makes a dog look pudgy, but he makes the dog look smooth right now because he is just chiseled and just in fantastic shape. And you're right, man. It was just a good fired up promo talking about why, what he's doing. The dog personally asked him to come down and he's coming down for business and not for shucking and jiving. And I just. Atlas was really good here. And then, um, you know, we see the match where he uh, gets the win over Grand Marcus. Well, the funny thing is he says he's not here for shucking and jiving. And then during the match with the Bill Watts voiceover, Bill Watts says at one point, he goes, look at him in there, shucking and jiving <laughs> during the actual yeah. match, right after the promo where he says that's not what he does. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's um, uh, that term when it comes to wrestling and African-American wrestlers. Uh, uh, man, I, I, I hate I hate what. I see some promoters do with African-American wrestlers in that term, but I, I don't want to go down that tangent right now. It's a, that's a, probably a story for another day, but yeah, I, I think that's why Tony said that. Cause he, you know, he, he basically he's saying, look, I, I know what you're thinking. I know I, I, to me, I'm thinking what, this is what he's thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're seeing I'm a black man and I'm going to come down there for shucking a job. And well, I'm not, I'm coming down for business to, you know, crack some heads open and help out the dog. So I, that's why for me that's why i like why he said that but yeah then you're right watts on commentary says what he says <laughs> from there mike we go to our next match the north american champion ted dibiase versus mike bond with rick ferreira as the referee something to note here ted dibiase is beginning to grow his facial hair out for the first time in mid-south wrestling and of course he would later on be known for having facial hair for the remainder of his career this wouldn't be full time he would still shave it off again specifically before he came back for his 1984 run, but he's starting to grow his facial hair here. He's getting more into the heel role. The fans react to everything he does. Ted DiBiase is so effective at this point in his career as a heel, which is amazing considering we just months ago saw him as a relatively vanilla babyface, even though he was pushed really well. He is really, really good here as a heel. And actually, let's listen to a little bit of audio from this match of Bill Watts talking about the change in Ted DiBiase and what various other wrestlers think about it. Well, certainly DiBiase wanted to be number one, and he is number one. He is the North American champion. And that creates a lot of intensity. I just wonder if it's worth it to Ted DiBiase when he looks at himself in that mirror each night to shave or in the morning as to have lost probably the best friend he could have ever had, the junkyard dog, and that the junkyard dog was a victim of his treachery in order to get to number one because DiBiase used to be a young man that earned his position. He had held the North American title before. And he was a youngster that Dick Murdoch, Terry Funk, Dory Funk, the greats out of West Texas, thought had such a great future. And all these people are disappointed. Dick Murdoch's disgusted. 
And Ted DiBiase now has used apparently some of the tactics that has learned that were used against him over the years. And certainly there was no more subtle or treacherous way in which he double-crossed the junkyard dog. And it's become a battle of survival in Mid-South between DiBiase and Dog. Each wants to complete dominance over the other. Of course, DiBiase feels that if he can get the Mid-South Tag Team titles off the dog, the dog will be embarrassed and be forced to leave the Mid-South area. And the dog wants to regain the North American title that was so wrongfully taken from him. He had won back the Louisiana title and had vacated that in a tournament at the request of Mid-South. And then DiBiase double-crossed him. And, of course, DiBiase is now putting his alliance with Hacksaw Dugan, a man who has no regard for his own personal safety that will do DiBiase's beck and call and sacrifice himself. And they've become an awesome team, a tremendous amount of controversy. And then DiBiase even tried to duplicate Mr. Wrestling 2 and use the man's international reputation as a rugged man but a man of fair play in asking for him to be the special referee when Mr. Wrestling 2 had not been informed of it. But fortunately, Grizzly Smith uncovered it by accident. And Wrestling 2 being the man of honor he is, had come here. And the grappler was the man in the complicity. Near the crowd shout, we want the dog, we want the dog. Next week here on Mid-South, Ted DiBiase and Hacksaw Duggan will go against Iron Mike Sharp and Captain Redneck Dick Murdoch. And that should be a barn burner. Where they hear it, the change in Ted DiBiase, and you can also hear the crowd there. They are super into this match. They're into everything DiBiase does right now. He has the best heel heat in the entire territory, Mike. Well, and you just said it, and we made this point a couple months ago with the with the turn with DiBiase. Like I had said, when you just look at the smugness in the attitude he was, it wasn't even that he was saying anything. It was just his mannerisms, the look on his face when he looks at the crowd, the way he just looks sometimes with disdain and disgust and just, you know, I I made this change. And I'm better for it. And it's pathetic that you people can't see it. It's almost like he kind of exudes like that attitude overall right there. And and he it's not again, he's not even screaming, talking or saying he, now he eventually he's going to scream. He's going to talk real loud in his promo and raise his octaves levels up. But I mean, during the match, it's just the way he looks at people, the mannerisms he takes in the ring, the way he cheats. It's all the character that he's become, which makes him this very devious and evil heel that you pointed the kind of five o'clock shadow that's starting to come in. Yeah. I mean, that only adds to it. So it's like part of the transition that has become, you know, he had a white glove. Now he's got the black one. So there's all these little bitty things that are just adding to what's happening with him in these last few months. And once again, I will point out Bill watch right here does something. Nobody else on this TV can do at this point. Maybe Jr. can do it actually, as I say that, but he's only been around a couple of times. If this would have been a certain somebody else in the booth, we wouldn't have got that really, really good two and a half minutes or so worth of commentary with Bill Watts just talking about what's been going on in the last few months with DiBiase, the dog, and the whole Wrestling 2 thing that's happened. All of that made such a little difference in that two and a half minutes of commentary to help build where we're going with the not only the rest of this episode, but as we go along in the territory. Well, what we're supposed to get next is, and by the way, if we didn't say it, Ted DiBiase wins via power slam, defeating Mike Bond. But where we're supposed to go next is Mr. Wrestling 2 versus Bob Stabler, with Jerry Usher as the referee. But before we get any of that, Ted DiBiase has not left the ring. We come back from the commercial break. He is still in the ring, and he's got something to say. Let's go to this right now. 
We've been unable to get Ted DiBiase out of the ring. This next match, my partner and I came out here a week ago and refused to leave this ring. And I'm refusing to leave this ring till I clear the air for about a few things. Now, I'm sick and tired of Mid-South showing favoritism to certain individuals. My partner and I physically beat up Mr. Olympia last week. He had to be carried from this ring. And here comes the junkyard dog and Dick Murdoch like knights in shining armor to the rescue. But what the people didn't see, because we went off the air, what the people didn't see was my partner and I annihilate the junkyard dog and Dick Murdoch. Physically beat him up and embarrass him right here on television. And Mid-South continues to sign contracts with me to defend the North American title against these two guys. I can't understand that. If they were both here, if either one of them were here, I'd bring him back in the ring right here today and settle this thing and whip him for all you people to see. Yeah, wrestling too. You come in here. I got something to say to you too. Yeah, get your tail in here too. You're another one. You're another one. Been going around Mid South, telling everybody that you think I'm the instigator. I'm the one that instigated this thing between you and the grappler. That I'm the one that instigated him coming out here and using your knee and your mask and physically and publicly embarrassing you. Well, let me tell you something. I don't have to do that. The grappler doesn't like you anyway. I think he's got a better knee than you. And he didn't try to embarrass you, mister. He did embarrass you. And the other thing, here you are coming down out of Atlanta, supposed to be my friend, telling everybody how disappointed you are that I've changed my style, coming here to be an unbiased official, and tried to cause my partner and I to lose the Mid-South Tag Team titles. Well, you're in the ring right now. So if you want to go ahead and take a shot at me, because I am a wrestling champion, you got your chance right now. We don't have to wait till we get to an arena. We don't have to wait till we get to the arena, too. We'll do it right here, and I'll show you and you and all of you people that I'm the North American champion, and I'm proud of it. Number one, number two. Well, hey, DiBiase, I don't see no anchor around your leg, so if you want to get it on now, brother, let's do it. Okay, it looks like that's the way it is. Ted DiBiase at 265 pounds from Omaha, Nebraska, and at 236 pounds from Atlanta, Mr. Wrestling 2. This event is one fall or remaining Yeah, that's your call for the bell, Bill. Well, there it is. It's set up. It was supposed to be Bob Stabler versus Mr. Wrestling 2. Bob Stabler looks like he got his hair cut from Mike Boyette. But he leaves the ring, and we get this after that challenge. Ted DiBiase versus Mr. Wrestling 2. Good promo by DiBiase, Mike. Really good promo by DiBiase, and I love Two's response. <laughs> Let's get it on right now, brother. I mean, he in in the crowd, he just said that one little line, and the crowd was like, "Yeah, you know." They were like, "Let's see it, bring it on." So, I mean, this was just really good stuff. I mean, he's DiBiase. Just he's like, "I'm tired of Mid South with the favoritism." He claims last last week after they went off air, and you know, Duggan and he annihilated JYD and Murdoch, and. You know, wrestling two makes his way to the ring, and then DiBiase says, "All right, screw this. I'll start ripping into you too." And he blame in in typical in great heel fashion, where you always blame other people for your shortcomings. He blames two for some of the problems he's been having, which is great. And then 
I don't know if DiBiase just was trying to, you know, play Mr. Tough Guy. Is If you got the stones, come on, man. We can fight right now. And then two says, screw it. Let's do it. And, I mean, the crowd erupted. Just fantastic stuff right there. Just really good stuff from actually both of them, although two only had that pretty much one line. But it, when they when he said that line, the crowd go, comes out of their seats. And during this match, they're just into this thing. They're loving it. Let's hear some audio from Bill Watts during this match describing what we're seeing as well as giving an interesting point of view about prisons. Let's go to this audio right now. Oh, boy, Pierce, you hear the crowd going two, 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 two. And Ted DiBiase has just run his alligator mouth into another confrontation here on Mid-South Wrestling. And I'll guarantee you, he's picked on somebody that will stick you. Mr. Wrestling 2, like fine wine. He's like Kenny Stabler of the New Orleans Saints. He, the more, the longer he sticks in it, the better he gets. He's got all that knowledge and all that courage. George Blanda, great competitor, past his prime, everybody thought, and yet he led the Oakland Raiders to many a championship, just as Kenny Stabler did, just as wrestling too. And DiBiase, I, I couldn't help but overhear him say that he and Hacksaw Dugan had humiliated a junkyard dog and Dick Murdoch. Boy, that although it went off the air and the fans at home didn't see it. I don't think you and I saw it exactly that way. Only three minutes of airtime left in this impromptu contest. And wrestling two inviting him back in. You know, Grizzly Smith doesn't step out and try to stop things like this because he says these guys are over 21. They're professionals. Let them settle their own differences in the ring. And I couldn't concur with him more heartily because I think when somebody challenges somebody in the ring, they ought to be able to, you know, if the whole world had a way of isolating people with differences and putting a pair of boxing gloves on them or getting them in a gymnasium and let them get all their frustrations taken out on each other, these prisons would be a lot less crowded because you'd have people that would settle their differences and then they would probably be able to walk up and down the street and not break all the laws. What the hell is Bill Watts talking about there, Mike? <laughs> what is it? If we let people fight more, the prisons will be more empty? Man, I don't know, man. That's what just Bill he, what Watts. What is he saying? What? <laughs> Bill, that's, Bill, that's Bill doing one of those things where he's, I mean, look, that's almost like his Estonia rant that he went on uh, with Russia a couple months back. <laughs> and he, it's, this is, um, he. that's Bill Watts's a Wattsism take on the world and he's he's he was about to go down the path and he kind of really did go down the path but he didn't fully explain what he really meant like that 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 little sentence or two had there was some deeper meaning behind that that he never really got into he would have he would have went off on one of his on one of his Russia type rants right there or something that's what I think that deeper was but meaning. I don't know. deeper meaning he says if we let them fight they won't commit crimes well, what I'm saying about deeper meaning is there's a whole lot behind that that he probably should not have got into on a wrestling show when I say deeper meaning. I ain't saying he didn't say something. I'm just saying. So, yeah, that's Watts, man. He does that from time to time. I, it's, again, it's kind of like the Russia-Estonia rant when he just went off on, on, you know, a deep end. I'm surprised he didn't somehow throw in uh, capitalism and uh, – um, What's the other word he got? I'm drawing a blank. There's another one he likes to throw out all the time. 
Free, free market. market enterprise. Free market enterprise <laughs> of some sort. I'm surprised surprised he didn't tie that into free market enterprise because that's the one he likes to use too. I, that's just Bill Watts being Bill Watts. Bless his heart. We should put together something like, like do a book for the show where it's just Bill Watts talking about off-topic things. Football, politics, flying his airplane, his son flying the airplane, <laughs> Estonia. Remember, he opened the show with the Estonia rant. That wasn't in the middle of a match. That was the opening of the yeah. show. That's what I mean. Like it, he he basically used his platform of Mid South Wrestling to to go off on a political rant of sorts. Whether you know we realize we were kids, we never paid. I mean, I didn't pay attention to that. I was like, you know, I'm just a kid. But you watch it in 2019 with a 2019 eyes. He opens the show talking about Russia taking these countries and Estonia and and I, you just you go, whoa, what did I just listen to on wrestling in '82? But. And he's doing it again here, except it's not at the opening of the show. That's that's Watts, though, you know. <laughs> well, that is Watts. And you know what? This match is a good example of what is Mid-South Wrestling because we do not get an ending. Very similar to how things would transpire years later in the UWF. They say, we're running out of time. We're going to keep the cameras rolling, but we got to go. So the show ends with Mr. Wrestling 2 and Ted DiBiase in the ring in the middle of this match. And that is how the show ends. Any closing thoughts on this week's episode, Mike? I still contend, even in a live TV era, that like I think this is a great way or was always a great way to go off air because it's like you got to – I mean, when we're watching TV and this happens, the first thing you're thinking is, oh, my God, I got to tune in next week. I can't miss it at 5 p.m. when it comes on. It's, oh, wait, why would they do this to me? But you'd be glued to that TV the next weekend because you got to see how it plays out. I mean – Perfect way to go off air. The only thing missing from this was Jr. You know, scream. We're out of time. Next time, next week, it's a, it's a, it's going crazy, man. We got a situation here. You know, Jr. would get, but that's the only thing missing from this. Other than that, it's you know, nice little ending because now we're we're the the hook has been set. We got to come back next week. Your Jr. sounds like your Boyd Pierce before puberty. But as we wrap <laughs> things up, Mike, want to remind everyone you can follow me on Twitter at Great Brian Last. You can follow the 605 Super Podcast on Twitter at 605pod, and you can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at Super Podcasts. You can also follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcast for classic wrestling talk and wrestling humor, the 605 Super Podcast. Mike. How can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Come check us out twice per week. We are the unprofessional wrestling podcast because language is strong and the jokes are ridiculous, but we are twice per week. We drop shows on Thursday and Sunday nights. Thursday is our NWA Saturday night show from the eighties. Sunday right now is the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Recaps. And it's a damn good time as we take uh, basically a week by week look at not only uh, Saturday night on TBS from the eighties, but Smoky Mountain Wrestling from the 90s it's a fun time myself hard body hopper doc turner um find us at tinyurl.com slash btt pod or just search booking the territory wherever you get your podcast from and subscribe to us and you can follow me on twitter at mike 504 saints i appreciate it brian another fun show another fun show in the books good time this week though well we'll see what you say next week mike but as we wrap things up we want to remind you the mid-south wrestling television review podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. 
Tally-ho! 